0: Feel Good Friday, wrapping up with some back-to-back electric guests on the Fan Morning Show, Craig Simpson and Chris Pronger.
1: We're just squeezing in a Chris Pronger. Pretty good. Danielle strikes again.
0: It is a big Stanley Cup champion hour. Good there point. you go. Good point. Only winners on the Fan Morning Show at Friday on Feel Good Friday. Let's bring in our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Craig Simpson, two-time Stanley Cup champion and current Sportsnet color analyst. How are you doing this morning, Craig? I'm doing well. How are the two of you? Well, we're vibing incredibly high because that game was very, very fun. (laughs) And um, I know that probably calling a game like that is a lot more fun than Tuesdays.
2: Yeah, you, you know, you just uh, the one thing you love about playoffs is you get the the energy in the building and the excitement around it and nothing like having game 1 where it sort of fizzled away so quickly. Uh this was a nice bounce back. Uh you know, another good reminder of just how uh, how difficult it is to win the Stanley Cup, how quickly things can change in a series and uh, it is really quite remarkable isn't it how you go from game one result to game two and now you go down to tampa and look and see what can you possibly expect in game three it's it's a it's another great reminder how much fun playoff hockey is
1: uh definitely um We're trying to figure it out, right? And I think the answer to this question maybe lies in game one, but uh, you know, we're talking about game two today. But what's your best explanation for the turnaround? Like, we've talked about tactics, we've talked about mentality, urgency. Like, what did you see that was different? Or was this just, you know, a pure, we, you know, maybe we put our own biases on it, but just a team that finally showed up when it needed to? Like, how do you explain the difference between game one and game two?
2: Well, I I think when what happens uh, in game one transpires, it's a good test of your team. It's a good test of your leadership group. Uh, It's an understanding that, um, you know, how quickly – a game can get away from you, like it did in Game One for the Leafs. But it's it's also just a great reminder of okay, how do you respond to that? Is, does it does it fracture your team or does it bring your team together and maybe even you know galvanize their commitment a little better? You you got to come out of that Game One and go, oh my gosh, guys, we weren't even close. Like, how do how do we? allow something like that on our own ice to, to happen. And you hope that it brings uh, a sense of resolve, a sense of urgency. And then, you know, the execution in game one to, I, I guess that's kind of why I uh, made a big play of an early power play, which I've always felt as difficult as an offensive guy to, to sometimes be sharp. Sometimes you're not passing as quickly or you're, you're just not into the game yet. And to have that early power play, to have a guy like Marner, which you rarely see, just walk into a shot and go in, it's like it's a shock to the system. And I I think that's exactly, you know, it's like a bolt to. uh, of energy to the team to, to score the goal the way they did on that power play and I think that just sent them off and running but the damage of game one and the calmness that you have to have as a team to come together and sort of challenge yourself and say what you need uh, I don't think there's any better scenario that could have happened that not only did you come back with a big win it was your top guys you know it's, you need your leadership group to show that they can get to that next level. I said at the beginning of the game, you play outside your comfort zone, challenge yourself to a different level. And the fact that, that, you know, everybody had a good game, but it started with the top guys, I think, uh, goes a long way and hopefully sort of settles them into this series now.
1: Yeah, I think that was a big thing in game one, watching. And it was like, when is someone who makes a ton of money going to do something (laughs) that matters, right? Like, it's not like a... It's not like, oh, they were so awful. It's just that at some point, if you're Sam Lafferty, you're looking around like, how can I make this? How can I make this? I can't turn this around myself. I can't be the one that turns this around. I can, like, take care of my own business. I can deal with this 40-second shift. But eventually, it's going to come down to someone at the top end or the top end of the food chain doing something that really matters. I don't think we saw that. However... Early in game two, Mitch Marner, rock star, first shift, scores the goal seven seconds later. And then John Tavares with as primal a scream as we've ever seen after scoring his big five-on-five goal. Was it just a case of the big guys having moments early, which really allowed everyone else to get on board?
2: Well, no no question. And I I think that that was the challenge that was laid with with such a disappointing game one. And so, you know, that in order to be a Stanley cup champion team, you're going to need those incredible games from guys that are maybe not expected of it. You know, you're going to need a fourth line that comes up with a big goal at some point or an unsuspecting hero along the way that's the long journey to get to the final but this is game two <laughs> so you needed the big guys to come up to to turn things around so i i do think that it it is of significance that uh, it was the leadership group as you said the guys making all the money but also the guys that are going to be relied upon and are going to get all you know the negative press if you lose again so uh, those are the moments that you look to your leadership group and it, it, honestly you look on the other side and in Tampa, they've all done that. You know, the big guys, Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Hedman when he was in. So you're missing a couple of big guys, uh, you, you know, for Toronto. that That's a statement game and uh, good on them. It's something that they've been missing. It's something that this group has not yet been able to establish that they can have that big game when it's on on the line and uh, that was step number one at least uh, to, to doing so and it came at a big time obviously.
0: As great as a night that the core four or five, if you want to put Morgan Riley into that one had it seems like Austin Matthews still has another gear over these last two games. Um, I guess that's a really encouraging point for Maple Leafs fans as they head down to Tampa with two more big games on the line. Is that what you're seeing as well, that he can still continue to even turn it up and be a bigger factor in this series? Yeah,
2: like uh, of all the big guys, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I, not that he wasn't you know, equally as good. I thought mm-hmm. he had a, a strong game but I don't think there's any question that nothing has sort of come in sync quite yet. And that's, that's an okay sign. You know, <laughs> it's going to take uh, a performance by someone to have a, a big one stepping forward in Tampa. And uh, I found uh, yeah, it's hard to say this on air without sounding critical, um and i don't mean it critical because i mean it more as human nature as a as a top player and the guy who's responsible to uh the to the success or failure of your team you know i watched him there and it was like he wanted to get a goal badly in a in a six or seven two game right and i that's not being selfish i've said before guys individual um accomplishments at sometimes are important because that's what drives you know, the individual to try to get Matthews to 40 or 50 goals or Marner to 100 goals in the regular season, those kind of drives are what push guys to different level. And if everybody's pushing to a different level, the end result is going to be a good one. And I, I thought even last night, you want to get that zero off the board so badly as, as a player. And it's, it's like you have a good regular season. The, the, the playoffs are the great equalizers it it can ruin a great regular season or it can rescue a brutal regular season. And so, you know, once you get to the starting gate of the playoffs, everybody's at a zero. And and I thought from Matthews I that's a good point that, you know, the points weren't coming like four for Riley or three for Tavares goals and uh I thought he pushed hard to try to get a goal on the board didn't happen and so uh no question i think the sky's still you know not quite on a ceiling yet for what matthews can do in this series
1: oh, well i have to pivot to Ilya samsonov based on what you said there where re- regular season it could be completely spoiled by a poor postseason yeah. a- and the same or the opposite being true um you know he gave away a lot of the equity he built up i think at the fan base in game one because there's questions about whether or not he's a postseason goaltender whether he has the nerve to be a postseason goaltender Uh, It wasn't, you know, the most taxing performance. It wasn't like he was under siege. Uh, He did make some big saves early, um, but he still has a little bit to prove. Does he not going into games three and four in Tampa and beyond?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, from here on in... Okay, he's settled everyone down with a good bounce back performance, um, but albeit you know he's going to have to come up with a big big game at some point. He's going to have to win you one of these games in the series if you're going to if you're going to take down Tampa. He's got to be a factor in one of them. So I, I just think he was again true to form like he has been during the regular season. You know the one thing about uh, not only Samsonov but but the Leafs in general. Is that they haven't allowed themselves to get into those bad losing streaks. I mean, they they had uh, from game what was it, six to ten. They had they went o two and two, and that's their longest, you know, stretch where they've had a little bit of a, a dip. For him personally, uh, he's done a good job of bouncing back. He's now six zero and one when he's allowed five goals or more uh, in in the next game. So I, I think it was a good step. It's another one that sends a message to his team that, you know, I've got you guys. They had a bad, bad night in game one, and everybody's allowed a bad game. But you do have to make the response back to your team to, to get to know that you, they, they trust you and they know that you're going to respond for them. And I thought that was a, a good first level of coming back from a, from a poor performance.
0: You're talking about somebody that could possibly benefit from a great postseason narrative that will help their regular season story. Well, that would be Morgan Riley, who hasn't had the best of regular season this year. But last night might have been the biggest 60 minutes of his season, maybe uh, in his Maple Leafs career, even Uh, just what you saw from Riley, that level of confidence that he hopefully will continue to build after a really, really, really great night.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I I think, is anybody going to remember that it was a subpar, you know, regular season? I already forgot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, there's your impact, and and you're right. I I just, there are nights when you just, something happens early on, and you get a goal, what, 47 seconds in, and uh, it's a lift for everybody, and then all of a sudden your game seems to be going. I, I just thought the plays that he made were ones that, when you've watched Morgan as a leaf and seen him have some good games, you go, Yeah, but that's what you need to see. You need to see your legs move. You need to be aggressive. You need to bring guys with you and make plays uh, away from it. And uh, I don't think there's any question that's a great step. If, if you're looking at saying, with on the other end, such key defenders gone, you know, it puts so much pressure when. You have a defender join, joining the rush and jumping into the play and having to make, you know, the defenders make reads uh, when you're missing key defenders on that side. So it's kind of ironic. While Tampa is missing two of their best defensemen, it was a defenseman on the Leafs side that I thought was a real equalizer and made a huge difference. And as you said, that everyone's going to forget that it was a
1: subpar year if he continues to play like that in the postseason. We're chatting with our insider Craig Simpson who called the game for Sportsnet last night. Um, in what ways do you think Sheldon Keefe put his stamp on game two? Oh,
2: that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I just think the it's more than putting a stamp on, on the game itself. It's how do you react when things go poorly? And are you protective of your guys? Are you uh, Are you sending a message to your core guys that you believe in them? Are you overreacting and and saying things that maybe raise an eyebrow to your team? Or do you trust them? And uh, I think that, you know, you're protective after a bad first game. Uh, You don't overreact. and, And then the next day start shuffling the deck all around. I think the fact that you had the bunting suspension allowed him to shuffle the deck per se with his lineup without making it seem like you're reacting or you know uh making adjustments just because of a loss and i i I think that when you come out of that the what you need from your head coach during times of adversity is just a sense that he trusts you a sense that he's going to give you the opportunity to make a difference and he's not going to overreact to some things that maybe went wrong and instead try to create a solution that might give us a chance to turn it around. And uh, I I think it was clear that the new lineup, the injection of a a new player in Matthew Nides, um, I just think all the messaging was, you know, let's, Let's move on. Let's put that behind us. We believe in Samsonov's going to play. He's going to get his chance again. And I think the players responded to it. So, you know, if nothing else, it's the ups and downs. You just try to keep everyone at a level. Don't get too low when you lose. And after last night's game, you can't get too high when you win. And hopefully that will serve them well going into game three in Tampa as
1: well. I feel like it's as simple as empowerment. Like, it's just like, hey, we trust you guys. Go out and do it. We don't need four line changes in 60 seconds. We have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner who can play against anyone. We got a a guy like Ryan O'Reilly who can make it so that Matthew Nyes has no problem entering the lineup. I feel like with Sheldon Keefe, and we've been talking about this a lot, it's like, okay, you start the regular season, it's really strange. And why is the start to the regular season so bad in two straight years? Why is game one as it is? And it just feels like it's not as simple for him as just sitting back and being like, I got the team. I got the team right here, and I don't have to do as much as I think I need to do. Like, I think my one criticism for him for him, is well, that no he just does here. too much, overkill. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I, I don't know how you cannot. not, and we're trying to find reasons for game one. I don't know why I'm like belaboring the point in game one, but reasons for game one's failure is as simple as like, we got way too much on our plate here, and if we just simplify things with the roster we have, we'll be fine.
2: Yeah, part of that trust, though, is he, it's it's easier for John Cooper to trust his team because his team has shown and earned that trust in the big games and in the times when maybe you, you might deep down in your gut be worried about them a bit, but they show you that they've got the resolve. And, you know, Sheldon's been around times where in big games, the, you know you're 0-4 at this point you, the game seven they haven't scored haven't done anything so you start this series off with oh i i'm going to get away from a matchup i'm not sure how that matchup's going to look and uh, i understand how it gets to that point and i understand where you're going with that and i think it was a fresh take that says okay you know the start of game one was horrific and it was tampa's experience that that really showed and and took over it. I got to trust my guys and I'm going to run my lines, but let's not forget, you know, when you draw a penalty on your first shift with your top guys, albeit going and then score a goal that quite honestly was a bit of a shocker with Marner scoring from a slot shot outside the top of the circle that just changes the game doesn't it i mean look at what it did to tampa in game one and you look at the reaction and what it did to to the leafs in game two so uh, i think giving some freedom and trusting your players for sheldon is a good thing and uh, but it's the onus is on the players to to give him the faith that that they can handle that and that they'll run with it too
0: so game 1 a 7-2 um win for, or yeah sorry 7-3 win for the lightning and then a 7-2 win for the maple leafs. I don't think those are characteristic of how the next uh, couple games will go. At least I I think that would be surprising too many. I feel like we might see some tight games, but at the same time I don't think we've really seen an example of what the series will be or should be played. Like how do you expect game 3 to go? Are we going to see another Whoa. crazy blowout or are we going to get some tighter hockey?
2: You know what? I I don't know cuz mm-hmm. if if you're still without Hedman and Chernak like uh, the one thing that's that's really kind of a, a head scratcher is you know Vasilevsky has in the nine games that the Leafs have played in this series in the first two uh, of this year last year in the first two of this year has given up three or more in eight of the nine I mean Vasilevsky's got that ability to get in your head has not been the the guy who's been in the head save for game seven and that's what Mm Vasilevsky does well he only allowed one in game seven and you know the least loss so if I'm going into a series against Tampa I'd be worried if oh man Vasilevsky's getting in my head and I can't find a way to score I, I think they've been able to find a way to beat him you know both years so if you're missing Hedman and Chernak, I think it still could be a wide open offensive game. And if that's going to be the case, then like we were talking about from the beginning, your top guys better be gunning, and your top guys better be finishing, because you might have to win another 5-4 game, let's say. And you know, I I think it, Tampa will come with probably their best effort after you know a disappointing one. But there is, I'm not sure that Chernak's going to be able to play, nor am I sure if Hedman is. And if I'm that, I, Toronto's got to be of the mindset of you're probably going to have to score four to win in this, in this uh, series. And uh, I think if one thing's been clear, that, that they've got to keep the pressure on Vasilevsky and not allow him to get dialed in and, and get to the to level where he can be an influence in the series.
1: Yeah, absolutely no reason, though, not to attack. I mean, that that defense core looks right for the taking. Oh, you yeah. go after those guys with the three lines that you're running now that uh, Ryan O'Reilly has dropped down to the third line and is trying to get a little offense uh, out of the rookie. Um, the end game, what you know, we're talking about winning the battle or winning the war and then maybe losing the battle. I don't think they lost the battle last night, personally. The Leafs kind of handled themselves no. reasonably well with the end game. Do you agree with that?
2: Oh, yeah, not at all. And, you know, you get... It, it was interesting, and we mentioned it uh, coming into the third. You know, what kind of third are we going to see when it's a lopsided game? There wasn't much of that uh, in game one when the Leafs were down. I was kind of expecting it in this one, and and we got it again. And, you know, that's kind of the way Tampa has, has uh, done things in the past, and part of that is the swagger of being – you know, two-time champs, and that that's the way that they'll go down in a, in a game that they're behind. But I don't think there's anything lost in any of that. Your, your guys stood up for each other. Nobody took a turn. You know, turning a cheek at times is not a bad thing. But there's no indication there that this is a a team that's afraid to play a physical game. And uh, I don't think there was anything gained physically by Tampa in in that. And so you come out of that going, yeah, we won the game. Uh, We didn't lose any of the battles. And and now I think it just it it provides, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity for game three to be a, a real good hard played the explosive game that that will mean a lot in terms of who's going to come out on top in this series.
0: Before we let you go, Craig, uh, I can't miss the opportunity to ask you if you have any good Chris Cuthbert stories, maybe related to Justin Cuthbert, anything that you uh, can no, no, spill no, on the air. Come the, on, the no, boy, no, no. No, this travel day. The boys on the day,
1: road. Travel day, the boys are going back on the road. What's, what's the CC? Come on, like, there's you, something there. got to be looking there. forward to it, right?
2: something there. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, you, you, uh, there's no way I'm going to embarrass uh, uh, <laughs> Justin in any way. I, I, I do laugh, though. I was... You know, uh, Ray Ferraro was there in game one uh, with ESPN, and yeah, I know former partner and all. So as, as you know, Justin, dad has a tendency to, to be a bit of a spiller of, of water and such up in, the, up in the booth. And before the game started, here he goes, boom, down it goes. So I, I couldn't help myself as Chris goes away to, to mop up his stuff. I took a picture of his notes that are all wet, and I sent it down to Ray, who was between the benches. I go, before the start of game one and the first water spill of the playoffs,
0: Maybe so. he had nerves for game one like the <laughs> <Yeah>. least too. <laughs>
2: exactly. He had a little little fumble there. At the it's just,
1: just the beginning. All those papers in the briefcase will be stuck together uh, by the end of the playoffs. Exactly. So it'll be a complete disaster.
2: Yeah. You got it for
1: sure. Well, so
0: Justin has yet would... to do that here. So we got a lot of tech on our table. I hope that there's no water spills, JC. That's good. We'll try to Perfect. keep it together. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy the trip. Uh, great to have your insight, and we'll, we'll enjoy listening to you every uh, every game day. So thanks so much.
2: Uh, all right. Take care. You guys have a great day.
0: You as well, Craig. Uh, Craig Simpson, former NHL forward and two-time Stanley Cup champion, obviously our sports and color analysts, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. is at com. I was hoping for a little more spice, a little JC story, but I, I thought He's a tra- pro.
1: I thought you were trying to embarrass Chris. Not I,
0: your dad could never me. be embarrassed. I was more looking for something for okay. embarrass you. But the water thing, I mean, I can't laugh because last year when we were doing our show remotely from home, well, last, last 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 year, I don't remember, middle of the pandemic, we were live on the air. JD Blake and I, and I had a water bottle. And I had, I don't know how it happened, but somehow it knocked directly onto my laptop while we were live. And that's how you go on air, obviously, when you're doing that home setup. And my laptop just died. It died midair. I couldn't, like, I couldn't do it. I had to flip it over. Anyway. I'm,
1: immediate death.
0: Immediate death. Like, immediate death. And then I was asking the listeners for tips, the rice, everything. And I waited the whole 48 hours. And it never came back to life. And I had to buy a new one. And it was... Devastating. So. I think
1: I think that's the the hint. Thing. If it's like immediate, it's gone. It, like immediately. If, it, if it's meow, like a slow dead. death, like okay, maybe we can pull this back. Maybe we resuscitate the laptop. It was tough. I will say you're the one who has the majority of the spills in this room.
0: Too bad. There's you no- had
1: like the third degree burns on yeah. the thigh
0: once. <laughs> I had the hottest coffee of all time. <laughs> it was boiling like lava, and that's I spilled about- it on my leg. And I there's still a burn mark.
1: Hitting up a local coffee shop. At, at our 5 a.m. Hour, a.m. at our hour, you get the hottest coffee imaginable. It's
0: literally from a volcano into your cup.
1: We're talking lawsuits.
0: I could have I could have sued. Because it was at least a second-degree burn. And I still am arc, so, I mean, I could still sue, but it's a long day. We made it. Um, we just have, I want to read a text in here. Andrew from Southampton, uh, Ontario. I'm, not,
1: I'm quibbling with this text a little
0: bit. Well, I know. I, I don't it. think it's fully accurate, but Andrew from Southampton. He said loves the show, so... Andre Vasilevsky following a playoff loss since 2020, record 17-0, and 0, goals against average, 1.47, save percentage, 9.42, shutouts. 5. I think that has changed, but this was probably yeah. from an article that was written before they did lose one game. But nonetheless. M- maybe
1: bef- like since the last time they played yes. the Leafs, because they did lose two in a row to start the Eastern Conference Final last year in New York, and is- they lost two in a row to start the Stanley Cup Final against the Colorado Avalanche. So
0: he's lost two in a row twice. So let's make it three. Nonetheless, Leafs will
1: have to make it three if they want to go to the second round.
0: Spooky season. Um, All right. Well, that's game three tomorrow and it will be at 7 p.m. on the road in Tampa Bay. And then they'll follow that up with Monday night, 730 p.m. We'll be able to tee that up Monday. We'll take your calls then as well to get a reflection on how game three went and what needs to change or continue for game four. But we're feeling the good vibes today. Feel good Friday as the Maple Leafs just steamroll the Tampa Bay Lightning. We've got one more guest on the other side of the break. Chris Pronger norris trophy winner stanley cup champ hockey hall of famer is going to let us know what he thinks of the maple Leafs flipping the switch is it sustainable is there really momentum game to game in the stanley cup playoffs all that to come and then the wake and rake we'll do a little baby wake and rake a preview of the jays at the yankees this weekend and maybe what we're seeing for game three
1: breaking down the top stories in the nhl every day the jeff Mary show Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, final block. Sportsnet 590. Sportsnet 590, the fan. I'm not sure you heard me. That was loud.
0: Feel good Friday. Fan
1: morning show. Uh, So we look around the NHL, and I got to be honest with you. Looking forward to this weekend, can watch a little bit more hockey. Can watch a little bit more hockey beyond the Leafs and the Lightning. But all around the NHL. Elevated performances, Leon Draisaitl, Matthew Kachuk, lots of guys stepping up, but I have never seen an elevated performance. Not that the standard wasn't high as is, but in 2006 with our next guest in the Edmonton Oilers, one of the great performances in Stanley Cup playoff history belongs to Chris Pronger, who we have on the line now. Good morning, Chris. Oh, do we have Chris? Chris, do we got you? I'm here. All right. All right. There he is. Chris Pronger on the line. One of the greats of all time and one of the great playoff performers of all time. And we've been sort of debating, hey, what does it mean to flip the switch? What does it mean to go from regular season to postseason? When you think about the switch and how it's flipped, how does that go down?
3: I think it's more just a a conscious
1: um,
3: idea that every shift matters. You know, the momentum in these games can can swing the the fate of a series, and so when you have the momentum and you're got your foot on their throat and you're you're you know you're you're skating downhill so to speak, as you hear all these different cliches, uh, it, it's a matter of just uh, continuous pressure and just playing the same way over that relentless attack that uh, you see some of these teams have when they're when they're playing well, and and vice versa when you're not playing well and you feel like you're on your heels and you're just taking pressure, 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 uh, it can be a little daunting and and, uh, can grind on you a little bit.
1: You see some of that from the Maple Leafs last night? Uh, You know, Killer Instinct something we've always kind of wondered about with this group. Do they have it? Can they apply it? Can they follow up a win with another win? Now it's just baby steps getting in the series, getting one win of what they want to be 16. Um, but with the way they handled Tampa Bay last night, maybe a wounded animal with Victor Hedman out, Eric Cernak out. Did you see some of that, a little glimpse of them taking that next step in terms of what you have to be from a mentality standpoint?
3: Well, I think they needed to bounce back off game one, certainly. And they did that. Um, I don't know if I'd be setting up the prey group just yet, <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, I mean, they did what they had to do and, and yes, they got a wounded, uh, a wounded beast with, with those two top D out. And, um, but, but that's, that's playoff hockey. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be guys in the lineup. Uh, It's, it's how they perform and, and certainly getting off the start that they, uh, that they did scoring early, um, you know, and then getting off to that big lead. uh, And then, and then they kept the hammer down, you know, they, they didn't let off the gas and kind of, you know, just kind of coast in. They kept the hammer down knowing the momentum was critical knowing they were going to need it to uh, to kind of move forward and, and, and get the strength, get the series back in their favor. Uh, obviously, 1-1. One, one, I think if you'd ask Tampa leaving the, uh, the arena last night, they'd be like, what's the difference if we win game one or game two? We wanted to get a split. We got our split. Now we got to go home and win our games.
1: Yeah, that's a team that's always comfortable, right? I guess you earn that winning a couple times. You earn that going to Stanley Cup Finals. You earn that knowing that you understand how to deal with postseason situations. But losing Victor Hedman and being down to, you know, Syracuse Crunch-style defensive core is a different situation for John Cooper and this team to be in. So, I mean, you you were the Victor Hedman, so it's it may be not uh, applicable to ask you as much. But how do you adapt? How do you paper over the fact that you've lost someone of that caliber
3: well you don't (laughs) that's that's the issue uh you don't but you have to have uh the rest of the defense core more importantly the team pick up the slack tighten it up a little bit more uh you know play a little more team defense if you will you're not able to rely on certain players to kind of lug the mail and carry the load from an offensive perspective and a defensive perspective and and, you know, he's a great puck mover, uh, as is Jernak. So they, they both, you know, play big. They play, you know, really good defensively. But more importantly, I think for Tampa, they, they move the puck very well and they get it on the tape and they they help transition the attack going the other way. And and, and not having them in there it changes the com- complexity of, of uh, you know, the game and how they play it.
0: That was certainly the story of the Tampa Bay blue line. But for Toronto, it was Morgan Riley's night. Uh, Maybe one of the best performances we've ever seen of him in the blue and white. Um, A guy that didn't have the greatest regular season. And now he's got kind of a new season approach, right? He's got whatever happens here in the playoffs really matters. So how important is it for a guy like that to have a really, really solid night, especially at home with the crowd that really supports the guy when things are going really well?
3: Well, I think that's the beauty of the playoffs, and 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 the beauty of our game. You can have a tough regular season. You can have a tough go. Uh, come playoff time, if you uh, perform and and perform at a high level, and nobody remembers anything <laughs> that happened in the regular season because you're probably being very successful through the course of the playoffs and 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 going on for for a lot of success. So, um, you know, it was great to see. Uh, you know, he, he played extremely well. Uh, was was using his assets, which are obviously his skating ability and his vision uh, to create and and, uh, and getting up in the attack. And I think that uh, uh, was a good bounce-back game for him, and, and we'll certainly see how he does in Game 3 in Tampa.
0: If we talk about playoff performers, I don't have to go very far than Ryan O'Reilly, a guy that's earned a lot of his flowers um, for what he does when the moments are big. And he's now a new face on the Toronto Maple Leafs roster, and he helped shepherd in a new face last night. Matthew Nye is making his playoff debut, and his... Scotiabank arena debut uh, with the blue and white. How great is it to have a veteran like that and a young guy paired up um, just to kind of ease some of the stress or the pressure that he might be feeling?
3: Yeah, I think when you go back in history and you look at some of the teams that have, that have gone on to to win and, or have some, some success in, in the playoffs or, or players that have kind of made their name, it's typically a, a player like that, that, that gets signed late, comes in, makes a debut and, and, playing with a player of Ryan's caliber and, and character certainly is going to set him at ease and allow him the best possible chances at success. And, and you saw that last night. I think, you know, Ryan plays a very simple game, um, you know, very, very north-south, uh, very heady. And, and you know, I think for a kid like that, just go to the net, mm. uh, which you did see him do. He was around the net all night, uh, was playing physical and, and certainly uh, made it, was noticed for all the right reasons.
2: <laughs> Typically,
3: so, uh, you know, I think it was a great start for him and, and obviously having having Ryan there uh, down the middle certainly provides a nice uh, vote of
0: confidence.
1: Uh, we got our bunting frustration out yesterday uh, prior to Game 2 given that we got word that he'd be suspended uh, the three games that he did. Uh, and we got to ask you about it, though, because you were once part of the Department of Player Safety. Um, does it feel like w- what was your read on the play, the suspension? And is there is there something to him being unfairly maligned by whether it's the league, the officials,
2: <laughs> or what? I... Okay. Are we going to
3: be unbiased or biased? I, I, I
1: want the Chris Pronger take.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, the, the guy didn't have the puck first off. He hit him in the head secondly, and he hit him blindside. So, I mean, it's the perfect trifecta. Okay. Uh, so, I mean... It, it shouldn't be a thing. Uh, being someone who's been suspended quite a few times and then obviously, as you said, worked in Department of Player Safety, that was a tap-in as to uh, what they were going to do.
1: Okay, so unfair, unfairly maligned is a two-part uh, sort of thing, I guess, because <laughs> you 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 laid it out there with you know all the checkpoints, so we'll take the three-game suspension for someone who's worked in the Department of Player Safety, but this has been a ro- long-running thing, right? He's the guy that gets singled out in scrums. He's the guy that gets tackled by the linesmen. There's a big feeling in Toronto that he, in-game, is unfairly treated. You don't see any of that?
3: Well, I don't watch every single game, but... Um, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to that point, but I think I, am getting a sense that, uh, Toronto fans in particular are feeling like they're being picked on. Mm. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Uh, maybe more so when they lose. I mean, the, <laughs> there was a couple calls yesterday that people are talking <laughs> okay. about, right?
3: Okay. So now, so now you're watching the game from, uh, an, an angry perspective because your team is losing mm-hmm. and therefore it's somebody else's fault. The fact that this player is allegedly being picked on in scrums and whatnot uh, when your team is losing, I don't know if that's probably where you should spend your time.
1: <laughs> no, I agree, but I mean, we covered 82 ra- ra- rather meaningless games over the course of the regular season, and this was the storyline throughout. I mean, and it's something he's dealing with because, frankly, it's affected his performance, uh, his season, how he's dealing with both the, his the, uh, his coach, officials, <laughs> and it's affecting what we think is his bottom line because our buddy Frank Saravelli had him number one on the free agent list this summer. And now people are talking about him not even getting back into the lineup because everyone's so high on Matthew Nye's. And it seems like Michael Bunting has brought more issue than good lately. So that's kind of where people are at on say. Michael Bunting.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess that,
3: that's fair to say. I, I, would, I would say that he needs to look the adversity in the face. Okay, what do I need to do different? What do I need to, what do I need to adjust? Do I need to talk to the officials more? To get a better understanding, create a relationship. Do I need to adjust the what I do in scrums? How if I'm the one that's always being uh, maligned and picked on in these in these scrums? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Watch the video. I mean, it, something is going to tell you why do they keep grabbing me? Why do they keep if if that is the case? Why am I you know uh, case in point number one? Why am I being picked on? Why am I being uh, so? It, there's ways to to look at things there's uh adjustments and uh ways to to figure things out and then there's just putting your head in the sand and crying the blues and and worrying about things that at the end of the day you can fix
1: yeah and I agree with you like whether there's whether you're given the benefit of the doubt or not. What Michael Bunting's, like, main issues are, are self-inflicted, and he's got to deal with it himself. And we'll see if he gets another chance here with the Maple Leafs, see where the series goes, see what Sheldon Keefe decides to do. Uh, But it's definitely a storyline in Toronto. And it might have been a different end game if Michael Bunting was playing yesterday because Tampa Bay tried to drag Toronto into the mud a little bit. Corey Perry doing Corey Perry things, Patrick Maroon involved. This is something that the Leafs weren't prepared for, you know, a couple seasons ago. But it seems like they acquitted themselves okay. They dealt with the muck, as we put it. Do you think, you know, Tampa was trying to win a battle after losing the war, but weren't successful there either?
2: Well, I think it both.
3: I, I would, I would say both. I would say, yeah, they're trying to take their pound of flesh, much like Toronto did the previous game with Bunting taking Chernak out. Um, I would, you know, I think you got to look at that both both sides of it. They were doing to them what they got done to them the previous game. And also, I, 100%, they're trying to get under their skin. They're trying to change the momentum. They're trying to exact some revenge, if you will, um, as the game's out of hand and it's pretty much over. Um, you know. And, and try to, get, as I talked about earlier, get some momentum, whatever it is, winning a fight, playing more physical, scoring a couple of late goals, whatever it might be. And that's why I talked about, Toronto having that killer instinct and keeping their foot on their throat and, and continually trying to score, playing physical, grinding on them, not changing the way they played because they had a big lead. And I think that uh, if there's one thing to take home, that that would be it, is that they didn't change the way they played from start to finish, and that's a huge building block for them.
0: So momentum is something we often discuss when it comes to like, any type of playoff series in any sport, but I wonder how real you think that is going into... A new setting going down to Tampa Bay. Both teams had kind of crazy wins. I don't think they're very characteristic of like the way their seasons have gone. I feel like we might be seeing some tighter games going into game three and four. So is there momentum for either team or kind of a blank slate going into Saturday night?
3: I think if you're Toronto, there's, there's momentum, certainly. You won the last game. You're feeling good about yourself. You've exacted your revenge from game one. You played very well in game two. You only, again, if you're Tampa, they've got a lot of ex- They've got a lot of experience mm-hmm. being in this position. They got their split on the road that they wanted, um, typically. And so, you know, I think if, if you're both teams, you're happy. Uh, if, you're, if you're Tampa, you're not excited about how you played, but you're also excited about going home with a split and, 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 mm-hmm. and being even in the Series 1-1. One, one. Um, so I think both teams can, can go home and, and feel good about themselves to a certain degree. But I think if you're Toronto, you feel much better because you, you feel like you figured out how you have to play uh, from from the start of the game to the finish. Your goalie played very well, uh, and you got to Vasilevsky seven times. Yeah, <laughs> that can't be good either.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I will say that there's always that worry in the back of Leafs minds when you know Vasilevsky is like the ultimate uh, bounce back performer. So he will probably find a way to to put up a a better score, at least on Saturday night, because he's pretty good at the bounce back. Uh, Before we let you go, Chris, I wanted to ask, I know you're up to something new these days. I wanted to make sure you got an opportunity to share with us what that is.
3: Yeah, no, I'm launching a Canadian whiskey with my brother, Sean, and it's called The Journey, and I think people, it'll resonate with a lot of people. It's all about celebrating your victories, being proud of your scars that we all have in sports and life and, and just go enjoy the journey. It'll be in the LCBO in a couple of weeks. Nice. I'm uh, not sure the exact date cause they're doing their thing, but it'll, uh, it'll be soon. So uh, for those uh, interested in, in learning more, follow me on Twitter and, and we'll, uh, we'll be letting people know.
1: At the end of the Leafs journey, there there's the journey. Might be celebrating with that.
0: Well said. Well, we appreciate your time this morning and the insight, and we'll definitely take a look for that in the next coming weeks, and hopefully we get to chat with you down the road in the playoffs. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. That's Chris Pronger, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champ, Norris Trophy winner, and as he mentioned, the journey. And you could be – Leaf fans could be celebrating with that. Mm. Hopefully not drowning.
1: (laughs) Whiskey for me is not, not always celebratory.
0: I know it kinda has a little bit of a whoo. What he says it's about <laughs> Put, understanding you your scars and appreciating the journey. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh I guess always always an NHL player safety guy? Definitely doesn't think Ma- Michael Bunting is no, uh he's
0: steadfast on that.
1: And yeah, and I think you gotta separate the two things because I yeah, yeah, I get I get the suspendable act for sure. Um and again, he said it, hasn't been watching everything that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Covering the trials and tribulations of Michael Bunting's season, but it is interesting. and That storyline will continue. I wonder. I, if, I wonder if it's one that the Leafs that the Leafs want to move on from. One though. I don't think entire.
0: you have ever made a guest laugh as hard as you just did. I
1: will say, seventeen-year-old me might have been like crying if Chris Pronger laughed in my face back then. <laughs> now that I'm much older, I Whew. a little less. I was a little scared. <laughs> I
0: had to go on mute. All right, Blue Jays and Yankees this weekend. It's going to be a big one. Uh, Tonight, the game's on Apple TV, so there's no TV coverage, but we will have it 7 p.m. on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Kikuchi, our guy, on the mound. And tomorrow, a big one as well with Manoa and Cole. Manoa's the one looking for the massive bounce-back opportunity, just like what the Leafs did, so maybe... It happens again. Um, More things to come on the station. Messiah Jury's press conference will be live this morning at 11 a.m. here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Eric Smith, will be hosting our coverage. A very, very important day, hopefully, in Raptors Nation as we find out maybe which direction they've been going over that little bit of a quiet period media-wise, but there's probably been a little bit of fire behind closed doors. So we'll hear from Messiah Jury. That'll be live at 11 a.m., so stay tuned for that. Maple Leafs are back in action Saturday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning this one on the road and then again on Monday before they come back home. So we'll have your calls Monday morning to see how things shook out on the weekend, but we'll get a quick wake and rake in here, um, our parlay pieces. I'll just go ahead first and go over... Nine in the Blue Jays and Yankees. It's plus money. Yankees and Blue Jays both have some pretty good offensive power. Um, the end of the rotation, I mean, Kikuchi's been pretty good, but still um, at the end of a rotation nonetheless, start of a road trip. I think there should be some big offensive night for either team. So over nine with plus money, I'm going to take tonight.
1: I'm going to go to the Bruins and Panthers. I think it's the most interesting series uh, outside of the Maple Leafs, maybe the Oilers as well, but it's one that I've definitely been locked into. I like the Bruins on a bounce back. I don't think we're going to see Patrice Bergeron. A little bit more information uh, last night or yesterday came out about his status. uh, But I think there's going to be a response from this group. I'm going to get actually pretty aggressive with it. Minus one on the three-way line, plus 170. Oh. It could push. If it pushes, eh, then you'd be wishing you got the regulation line at plus 115. But I actually feel like it's going to be a really, really big bounce back for the Bruins who have been pushed around a little bit. Manhood may be challenged. I think it's going to be uh, a, a real good effort from Boston and Florida. Okay.
0: Tonight. I like it. We've never done a minus one in regulation, so try something new. Um, okay, quickly through our anchor. Submissions. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ron and Jules. Happy Friday to our blue checkmarkless duo. Yeah, we are no longer important. Yeah, it's special. First of all, we want to give a shout-out to those who went against our Warriors last night. Ooh, no hard feelings for going against them, but she never question the heart of a champion. We knew they would easily handle the lightless beam. Okay. On to today, we'll take the Knicks minus 2.5 over the Cavs. I think MSG will be rocking tonight, and Jules will take Matt Chapman over bases at plus 110.
1: Just as a uh, word of caution, we've scratched out Blue Jays' props. Just for a little bit. Just for a bit. Okay, Parley poppy. wishing the team and listeners a it's happy a Friday. Back from Italy I know. with an absolute prosciutto pounder. And you guys know I like to slice it thin. I don't know what that means. Hurricanes Islanders <laughs> under 5.5 is sweeter than a cannoli. John Cooper's pressure last night was spicier than Calabrese. You can tell he knows the Leafs. He has the Leafs figured out. Leafs and 6 is a great bet to hammer at plus 5.20. Lots of stuff here. I expect Lightning to squeeze at least one more win on home ice. If not, you can get the least of five at plus 625. Okay, running the table here. You heard it here first, courtesy of Parlay Papalini. Ciao. It's been a while what? since we had that one was, of those. That was an adventure for Unhinged
0: me. Unhinged text, but good to have him back in the fold. Uh, good morning. Corey from Port Hope here. For my wake and rake, I'll take the Mariners' money line at home against the Cardinals. Matt's is pitching for the Cardinals. I think Seattle's offense will shine tonight. Good old
1: Mats. uh Final one. Good morning. Happy Friday. Tonight, I'm picking the Blue Jays over four and a half. Total runs. Mm. And the Denver Nuggets on the money line, looking to go up three nothing, I believe.
0: The Blue Jays one kind of goes on the line with mine. That's Courier Chris in Burlington today. So you've got Nuggets money line, Mariners money line, Hurricanes Islanders under Knicks minus two and a half over the Cavs, and then um, that's kind of where we're at. Do
1: we reward Parlay Poppy and his return with the Hurricanes Islanders under five and a half?
0: I think that's a good bet. Let's do it. Okay, let me lock that in. Under was it five and a half? Okay. Yeah. All right, so Euro Parlay this morning, Feel Good Friday. Over nine in the Blue Jays-Yankees. Boston Bruins, minus one on the regulation line. Just explain that, they're going to win in regulation by at least one goal.
1: Uh, No. If they win by two, it cashes. If they win by one, it pushes. It pushes, yeah, so
0: you can get the push. That makes sense. Under 5.5 in the Hurricanes and the Islanders, Carolina's up 2 nothing in that series. You parlay that together, it's plus 7.25. It's a little juicier. I wanted oh, to get it up there. It's Feel Good Friday, Justin. Let's do it. Go for it. Um, all right. Well, thanks, for everybody, for calling in today on our Feel Good Friday hotline. It's great to hear from everyone after Leafs win. We love those vibes. Um, thanks to all our guests. We're going to have a fab weekend. you got Blue Jays and Yankees. Game three for the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. We'll be back Monday morning to break it all down. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.